The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to the latest episode of Wizards Half. Yep, it's the show where we cover all the stuff we didn't get to in the main episode. And here we go with 17.5. These mini-episodes are usually handled by my co-host Michael, but unfortunately he hasn't yet been released from the Baxter building after being captured at the end of episode 17. We hope he makes it out not too badly burned. Play ball! But uh, in the meantime, I'll do my best. So even though Michael isn't here to entertain us all with his legendary goof-ups, I do have an outtake from episode 17, the Wave Riders Wayback Machine segment, where Michael had a little bit of a slip of the tongue. Now I will warn you, this is a little spicier than normal, so you've been warned. He also worked on Goonies, Pretty in Pink, Top Gun, Robocock, and Predator. Anyway, Michael, uh, take RoboCop again. <laughs> Let me say that again. That came out a little sideways. Okay. Alrighty. That's for the cutting room floor, my friend. Or, or for the mini episode. Oh, Michael. Now, one of the things that we didn't mention was that issue 17 actually came packed with an advertisement, I'd guess you'd call it. It is not a card itself, but it is actually a little promo piece for special insert cards called Fanimation that are going to be inserted into packs of Upper Deck's 1992 Football Series 2 foil packs. Now, why would we care about this as we talked about Super Pro and the crossover of sports and comics? just never seemed to work out kickers inc anybody but the big deal about this was that the art was actually being done by jim lee and rob liefeld yeah so for example here they have eric the raider dickerson it's a major armor with a big red robot that he's punching and one coming up behind him and then dan machine gun marino by rob liefeld in that classic liefeld style he could be in brigade for sure so i'll post this on social media for you guys to see i'd be curious to know if any of you were collecting the cards, or tried to get a few packs just so you could pick up these special inserts. Now, speaking of artwork, I think it's time we get into the amazing art section. So first up here, we have a picture of Speedball, but this one is kind of bizarre because it's actually in a very a kind of a cubism style. It's definitely not your standard comic book art, and there's just, you know, a purple background with white stars, and then you got this Speedball that kind of looks like a Bart Simpson, a little bit like a Spider-Man. It's kind of wild. And that is by Eric Jacobson of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Now, right next to it, though, is wow. I mean, this is like a piece of art I would love to have framed. It is Colossus wearing a wizard cape. But, I mean, this is a painted image that is just absolutely gorgeous by Tom Simonton of Minko, Oklahoma. And, wow, give Alex Ross a run for his money here. On the next page, we have, of course, everybody's favorite, Lobo. 
he's saying Alakafraganzam. And he's actually ripping the head off a little bunny that is wearing a vest. And yeah, Lobo is looking pretty intense here. The proportions are a little bit off. He's got some stubby arms, but the intensity in his face and the composition of it is actually really entertaining. Next to Lobo here is Magnus Robot Fighter. He's got a bunch of dead robots at his feet and he's got a piece of a you know a torn piece of the wizard cloak in his hand and he's holding the hat now this is another one of those winners of valiant's gold eternal warrior number ones i feel like you, the way you won this contest was that you just drew a valiant character because the art on this is actually pretty terrible the robots look great but magnus himself not so much now down below we have michael simon from indianapolis indiana and he gave us cloak and dagger now this is pretty good i mean i, I gotta say dagger is uh, well proportioned and she's shooting out one of her light daggers at the reader but cloak obviously they decided to go with the wizard motif he's not wearing his standard kind of blue gray cloak it is a wizard cloak with the moons and the stars and everything all over it but he kind of looks like spawn just the face looks a little mutilated inside the shadowy cloak now next to him this is the winner of wizard's gold foil trading card because he decided to hero up Poof the Wizard. This is Joseph Thunderhorse from Dunlun, Florida. But he is just super buff and his belt buckle seems to be like a Shadowhawk belt buckle. I don't know what that's supposed to be, but he's got a big W on his chest. He is looking mighty and majestic, holding a tiny little wand with magical stars twinkling off it. Now on the next page, we have a very cartoony but very dynamic Batman and Robin. So you got Batman swinging down across some type of light pole and he's got a piece of the wizard cloak. There's all these torn shreds of the wizard cloak. I don't understand. Everybody's like just finding poof and they're ripping apart his cloak. And then you got Tim Drake Robin up above him swinging by with a bow staff and the bat signal in the background. It's pretty fantastic. This is by David M. Tata of Leominster, Massachusetts. Now the next one here is kind of a weird mashup because it looks like characters at the beach, but you have Sting from Harbinger in the foreground. Then you have Wolverine in the orange and tan outfit in the middle and the behind Wolverine is Solar Man of the Atom so it's kind of like trying to get Wolverine into the Valiant universe I guess that is by Joey Grow of Bremerton Washington then we have an awesome Wonder Woman cover by J.D. Adams of Erie, Pennsylvania. Now, what's cool about this is she's got like a giant wizard cloak that looks like it's alive. I mean, it's just flaring out. It's like around her neck and then behind her and all flying out all over in every direction very spawn-ish and she's got her lasso of truth that is just going everywhere all over the page but it's got this energy crackle to it so it's a really cool image i, I enjoy it quite a bit although you know it's just weird to see her in that type of cape but i know that there were those famous shots of linda carter from the 70s in her blue spangled cape so next here this is interesting uh, a crossover i guess you will poof the wizard versus spider-man and spidey doesn't want any part of it so spider-man's shooting a web at the reader here and basically trying to escape poof who is shooting flames out of his magic wand and he's got a 
power crackle around his fist. So obviously chasing Spidey away. That's by Lee Tanner of Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada. Now this next one, I feel like we have not seen Swamp Thing before. And here he is. Now this is interesting because it's some pretty nice artwork overall, but it's very washed out. It looks like it was maybe done more in like colored pencils or something like that. But it's very detailed, like all the the swamp land and everything around it, the trees. It's very interesting. Now, uh, I see Abby there, you know, kind of clutching on to Swamp Thing. I don't know who the baby is, but I assume they had a kid at some point. So it must be a baby girl, looks like, who's sitting in a tree. That is uh, by Eric Roman of Valdosta, Georgia. Now, a very cool piece of art here is a Batman cover, but what's awesome about it, just to begin with, is within the wizard logo, there's actually like this bat symbol, but it's kind of bluish orange. It looks like it's got kind of a reflective nature to it. It's just a very cool effect. But Batman is apparently being grabbed by a sentient cloak. It is, again, the wizard cloak, purple with white stars on it, and he's battling against it, but he has red eyes and super orange arched eyebrows on the cowl and his bat ears are even more demonic looking so maybe batman went bad and poof had to step in there and save the day now another mashup here we have lobo making out with she hulk and she is draped in a wizard robe but it's just like just barely there and you see that lobo's obviously using it to pull her in must be giving her a wedgie i gotta be <laughs> honest with you here uh, there's a big red heart in the background it's like a pink coloration of the background but this is another one that looks almost painted like it's got a very unique texture to all the drawing but yeah never thought i'd see she hulk and lobo getting together this is from the imagination of zach jones of fond du lac wisconsin now next to the lovebirds here we have void from wildcats but what's very strange about this is there there's like a a sun behind her and there is a wizard cloak or ribbon however you want to look at it that is draping out of it it's kind of unfolding almost like stairs and she's on top of it but she's crouched in a spider-man style pose so it's kind of a weird thing you always think of void just kind of floating there or whatever so it's interesting that she's maybe more of a Catwoman style character in this rendering, but this is by Glenn Harding of Redding, California. So that's the end of the Amazing Art section, but they have brought back the My Kind of Hero. Yes, so this is where readers get to actually create their own heroes, submit a sketch, and then the basic bio. So first up, we have Crackshot, created by Victor Moore of Hawaii. Now, the secret identity remains unknown. Current occupation, assassin, espionage citizenship unknown legal status wanted in 10 countries for murder and theft marital status unknown group affiliation vengeance so it sounds like victor had his own team in mind and base of operations worldwide now what we're looking at here is obviously a female figure and i'll be 100 percent honest she just looks like a female deadpool so it's very rob liefeld inspired you know she's got the red mask with the black around the eyes there's no mouth hole or anything and 
and then she's got it's either white hair coming out the back is what it looks like but it might just be smoke because there's a whole lot of smoke coming off two giant guns but she's got the pouches around both thighs she's got big golden shoulder pads you know she's got a knife tucked in by her calves and yeah so i mean she's definitely just outfitted for action so this is the description that says she's 5'9 she weighs 118 pounds but eye color and hair color are unknown okay so that must be just smoke behind her and not white hair uh, her physical abilities are that of an above average athlete who practices intense regular exercise she knows at least two forms of martial arts she is adept in all firearms bladed instruments explosives and whips because why not her origin no one is quite sure how crackshot came to be however she instilled fear in the law enforcement community for the death of tough guy a super strong and invulnerable hero from justice limited a u.s government sponsored team by shooting him point blank in the mouth his insides were not invulnerable a villain by the name of mayhem contacted her and asked if she'd join his group vengeance he promised protection from the law she accepted and became his second in command so this is very interesting so this, there's a very young blood take on everything here this u.s sponsored team now uh, they add a note here no one has ever heard Crackshot speak. However, it is not known if she is mute or not. She is also wanted by Interpol for the murder of 23 agents. So she gets around and she uh, makes a name for herself. Now, next up here is Foxfire, created by Eric Treadway of Knoxville, Tennessee. Alias Whitney Dunn, occupation police detective, marital status single, base of operations Houston, Texas. She is 5'8", she weighs 112 pounds. Her eye color as Whitney is black as Foxfire, also black. <laughs> so what's the difference there? Hair color is Whitney Brown as Foxfire Red. So yeah, so what we're looking at here in this image is like a wizard cover. So it's something that would have been submitted to Amazing Art. It's got the wizard logo at the top, but it's got space in the background and then a diagonally draped wizard cloak behind her. And then some dude with kind of a shadowy face and red eyes behind Foxfire who has a one leg up and one leg straight out. She's definitely doing a model pose here, but she's got red hair she definitely looks kind of like a cross between Jean Grey and like Talia al Ghul and she's got red fire all around her left hand and so she's definitely got some sort of firepower so let's read about that origin the Egyptian gods did not die when the Christian faith spread across the globe with a select group of their worshippers they left for another dimension they had created a paradise but the day came when the offspring of the gods set chaos decided to take it upon himself to conquer their true homeland this action may have gone unnoticed for quite some time if not for the amazing eyesight of the last of the legendary phoenixes she too took liberty in following chaos soon she discovered that her powers and life force were quickly waning and she needed a host in order to stay she chose whitney who is about to die in a blazing inferno it is her duty to stop chaos from obtaining his goal at all costs powers foxfire is able to project and manipulate mystic flames has heightened agility strength endurance and can fly at great speeds it is unknown whether these are all of her powers so yes this is basically just jean gray as phoenix i mean they even said they're the legendary phoenixes so not wholly original there eric sorry i guess i would have to go with crack shot in this case now it's time to take a look into the future with hey me <laughs> future.
Culture Geeks, Adam calling in on the 2099 hotline. This is the segment where I take you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow, and today, you're about to be punished. That's right, get ready to feel the vengeance of Punisher 2099 from writers Pat Mills and Tony Skinner with art by Tom Morgan. This was the last of the four 2099 launch titles to be released, and they saved the most intense for last. In case you were worried that the Punisher of 2099 was going to be a softie, by page three, he's already blowing bad guys away. We find our hero saving a guy who's about to be mugged for his internal organs by a gang of street surgeons, who do a weapons scan that reveals the Punisher's outfitted with high-density plasto armor in addition to heatsink armor that can withstand laser blasts for five seconds, a 48 caliber Stark Fujikawa street pacifier gun, mean mule turbo kick boots, grenazer with smart targeting, a power bat that he must have borrowed from Griff Tannen from Back to the Future Part 2, and speaking of the year 2015, an antique 54 caliber Magnum Smith & Wesson handgun that he refers to as, quote, the last and finest gun ever to spit steel, an old-fashioned weapon that leaves an old-fashioned hole in the body. Also in the mix is a face scrambler that hides his identity on any security camera footage behind a digital skull. Yeah, this guy is serious, and he gives us a new futuristic slang term, deadware, which seems to be a new way of calling someone dead meat. So, the guy's got futuristic weapons, but what is really setting him apart from Frank Castle, the original 20th century Punisher? Well, I'm glad you asked. This Punisher is named Jake Gallows, a police officer who happens to be a lapsed Thorite, that's the religion of 2099 that worships Thor, the god of thunder, whose mother and brother were murdered by a lunatic named Kron who hated happy families because he was ignored by his own parents. Jake only survived after his loved ones were killed because Kron said he was no longer part of a family and decided to leave him alone, but shot him in the legs to incapacitate him and let him stew in his anger and grief. Kron got off in court because his father is Tyler Stone and could afford to pay the 2.2 mega dollar fine, and in the wake of this injustice, the Punisher was born. You see, Jake actually found the journal of Frank Castle in the police files, which contained Castle's final decree, quote, You who find this, I charge you to carry on my work. Now, to be honest, when I picked up the first two issues of this book in the 90s, I wasn't a fan. First off, Jake Gallows looks exactly like Frank Castle. He's a police officer. His family was murdered in cold blood during a peaceful outing, so he put a skull on his chest and started ruthlessly destroying criminals. It just felt like old news in a futuristic setting, especially if you look at the original character design for Punisher 2099, where he had a helmet with a visor and a more stormtrooper look. It just felt like they eventually took the late easy way out. But as the story goes on, we find a few new tricks up this Punisher's sleeve. One thing that sets Jake Gallows apart from his predecessor is that he's still a police officer and the Punisher is an alter ego, whereas Frank Castle devoted his life to his mission as the Punisher. Jake enters the precinct every day as a happy-go-lucky member of law enforcement, then unleashes his violent tendencies on criminals after hours by taking them to his private underground prison and literally executing them with a molecular disintegrator, which is his version of the electric chair. Jake's equivalent of a sidekick weapon outfitter is Matt Axel, who operates as more or less his version of Microchip. 
By issue two, Jake has already avenged his family's murder by taking to the streets to find Kron on his Punisher cycle, armed with the camouflage of a wraparound hologram image, which he also has on his body armor, and a, quote, sound baffler that renders him invisible, plus the fact that he can control traffic lights to make it green all the way when he's traveling at speeds above 200 miles per hour. He gets the drop on Kron, but the Psycho has velo-repellent armor that pushes away anything traveling at high velocity like a bullet, so the Punisher slowly shanks him with a knife, and vengeance is served. So now what? Well, there's this guy named the Fear Master who looks like a 60s mod hipster that has a mutated four-fingered hand which he can use to heal people, and as a result he has his own cult of worshippers, but the hand can also turn people, specifically women in his case, to stone, glass, or metal, and he has a grotesque gallery of once-human female statues writhing in pain and fear. It turns out he's a higher-up at Alchemax and is tasked with destroying the Punisher, who is mucking up their devious behind-the-scenes business with his bloody crusade for justice. Meanwhile, in issue number four, Jake gets wind of a plot by land developers to destroy a ghetto neighborhood called the Barrio, where the residents worship the heroes of the 20th century and are celebrating their religious festival of Heroes Day. The parade is a fantastic two-page spread of goofy cosplay, inspired by Spider-Man, Daredevil, the Hulk, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, even Power Man Luke Cage, Elektra, and Scarlet Witcher in the mix. Their leader is Barrio Man, and he doesn't believe in violence, asking the Punisher to stand down. But when the pacifist leader is murdered by the Fear Master's goons, the Punisher unleashes his extreme vengeance using a quick spore grenade that expands upon contact with liquid, making bodies explode from the inside. But before killing the head goon, Multifractor, the Punisher is stopped again when Barrio Man arrives resurrected? Apparently, like 30s comic strip icon The Phantom, Barrio Man is a mantle passed down to inspire and protect the people of the Barrio. After quelling a revolt of the prisoners in his dungeon, Jake is visited by police psychologist Carrie Dowen and admits to being the Punisher, like a lunatic, to throw her off the scent. Heading out to the next mission, Jake puts on an exomuscular undersuit that allows him to program any fighting style into it, kind of like Neo in the Matrix, which he uses in a battle with Multifractor, the guy who led the attack on the Barrio. But Multifractor is cybernetically enhanced, and the only way to beat the mad cyborg is by the Punisher uploading data of Multifractor's old moves from his days as a professional gravball athlete to use against the thug and kill him. Unfortunately, the victory is overshadowed by regret as the undersuit programming reacts to a trio of cops arriving on the scene as a threat, and though Jake tries to resist, it forces his arm to raise, aim, and fire, killing the policeman. The next few issues focus primarily on Jake emotionally breaking down and building a romantic relationship with the police psychologist Carrie. He opens his heart by taking her on a tour of his dungeon as he reveals his identity, the Punisher, which for some reason she accepts as a logical reaction to his trauma, and then they get it on. After another issue, Jake has decided his life is fulfilled once again with Carrie and plans to quit his activities as the Punisher, which his buddy Matt refutes, saying that his body won't be able to give up the adrenaline rush of the action. But Jake is sure that after one last mission to release some mutant children experiments called DGENs from an Alchemax lab, he'll have the violence out of his system. 
Unfortunately, while Jake is away with Carrie's blessing for his last ride, the Fear Master, having done some detective work of his own, arrives at Jake's house, where Carrie is preparing to delete her personal journal tracking her assessment of Jake as the Punisher. Fear Master threatens her life if she destroys the only evidence of the Punisher's identity that he desperately needs. But she sacrifices herself and does it anyway. So when Jake arrives home, he finds her turned to glass by the Fear Master, with the file deleted notification showing up on the computer screen. In anguish, he cradles her in his arms and she shatters into a million pieces, along with his hope for a normal life. The Punisher will live on. Finally, in issue 10, we see that Multifractor has been brought back to life with enhanced cybernetics, mutant legs, and the arm of a gorilla to get his revenge on the Punisher as now Jigsaw 2099, a futuristic version of Frank Castle's arch-nemesis. So the battle rages on and promises to continue in issue 11, but we're going to stop now before the length of this segment gets punishing. See what I did there? Yeah, so Punisher 2099 is a violent story with more twists on the Punisher concept than I expected. Jake at least tried to go back to a normal life until tragedy struck, and his dual identity is kind of fun too. Still, not really my cup of tea, but the introduction of new futuristic weapons nearly every issue is enough to keep me interested. So, until next time, see you in the future. Alright, now let's get into our homemade heroes section. We have a trio of amazing action figures here. First up is Animal Man, who had been starring in a DC Vertigo title at the time. This is by John Mooney of Memphis, Tennessee. It was originally a Toy Biz Riddler, and yeah. Looks like Animal Man. I don't know what more you need. Now, a little bit more impressive here is what they call a colorful Nightwing by Eric DeSantis of South San Francisco, California. It doesn't say what the base figure was here, but what's cool about it is that the, I guess, what do you call it? The feathering? What What is that V that goes across Nightwing's chest and on his belt and, you know, top of his boots, top of his gloves, but it's gold. You know, so in the comics, they usually show it as yellow, but this is like a shiny gold and it's very austere. I dig it. Finally, it's everybody's favorite talk show host from the Cartoon Network, Space Ghost. Yes, and he is the figure of the month. I'm sure just for the pure obscurity of the character at the time by Brian Jump of Fairfield, Ohio, who made him from a silver surfer and a Dr. Fate cape. So he won the contest this month. But what's great about this figure is, yeah, I mean, it really is beautiful in the details. You know, he's even got the little ghost face down in the middle of his chest that goes with the red collar and everything. You know, this is before Space Ghost Coast to Coast came into existence. So it's just really interesting that somebody was a Space Ghost fan at this point, not knowing that it would become a huge bit of comedy in the years to come. Adam. Wait, what's that noise? What do I hear? Adam, can you can you hear me? Oh, Michael, you're back. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm in an air vent in the Baxter building. I've been trying to escape. I, this is crazy, but I, I was trying to escape through the thing's toilet. Like he has some sort of oversized toilet and I tried to flush myself down it, but that didn't work. And before they found me, I I found an air vent and I'm crawling through it right now. It's crazy in this building, man. It's, there's there's no way to get out of here. It, it's like a maze on top of a maze. I, I, it's unbelievable. And let me tell you, the human torch was mad, dude. That I screwed up his 
catchphrase yet again. Oh, he was pissed. It was it was rough. They've been torturing me. They've been they've been making me watch that uh, uh, that that Roger Corman movie over and over and over again, just to bang it into my brain. It's it's it's, it's horrible. But I, I know you need me to do the quiz. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to get out of here. But maybe if I if I solve the quiz or if I do the quiz and I solve all the, the riddles to it, maybe I can get out of here. Well, that's good news. Glad we got Michael here to give us the quiz, because what would a mini episode be without him horribly misguessing on all of the trivia? So, here goes. I have to be tr- quiet, because I don't know who's listening or who can see me, and that, that invisible woman, she's all in the hunt, and you don't know where she is half the time, and that creepy Reed Richards with those long arms. You never know where he's going to come around what corner next. So, for contest number 17... The grand prize, a set of limited edition gold and platinum versions of Unity Number 1. Who cares? What's Unity? There's a picture of it, but I don't know. It's a Valiant book. Oh, well. Seems like a crummy grand prize. First prize, limited edition gold hard corpse number 1 or a limited edition gold foil Shadowhawk trading card. Your choice. Okay, that seems better than Unity Number 1, first of all, but again... Who cares? Prize number two. A complete set of the Skybox Series 2 X-Men cards or a copy of Valiant's Exo Man of War number one. Your choice. Okay, so the X-Men cards seem like the best prize so far. I really could use the X-Men right now to get me out of this, uh, this Baxter Building jam here. Third prize. A complete set of the Executioner Song crossover series or the Terminator Collection video set. What? Really? Oh, that's kind of cool. Both Terminator motion pictures on VHS? Whoa. That's pretty good, actually. They, they always do these prizes in the wrong order, I think. Oh, I, oh, oh. you hear that? Yeah, I, gotta, I gotta hurry up here. This is, this is getting hairy. I tell you. That thing, man. Holy crow. That toilet was, uh, was yikes. Oh, boy. It's scary. Okay, so, quiz number 17. There are seven questions. Question number one. X Horseman. Oh, God. I'm in trouble. There's no escape from me here. Wow, this is long. It is nine letters. What? I think think it was headless, but that's eight letters. And this is nine letters. Okay. But it's X Horseman? I don't know. The only horsemen I know are Bojack Horseman and the Headless Horseman. Well... It's neither of those. Strike one. Play okay. Question number two. The Enterprise's registration. What? Got a Star Trek quiz question here? Oh boy. I'm in big trouble. Um, it's seven letters, two words, a hyphen. I wish I could phone a friend, because I don't know the answer to this one either. Oh boy. Three letters, dash, four letters. The Enterprise's Registration. I don't know. The Trek? Well, I, I suck at this. I'm really doomed. I'm never getting out of this building. Play ball! This one I can answer, I think. Oh boy, if I don't know this one, I'm in real trouble. Solo shot him in the first movie. See? Han shot first. Who he shot? I don't remember. Oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna get really, really, really destroyed on the internet for this one. This is bad. I should know this one. I really should know this one. Oh, God. 
This is not good. Um, six letters. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm gonna be trapped in this freaking Baxter building forever. I can't get out of here. Play <laughs> Oh, this one I know. This one. Question number four. Steed and Mrs. Peel are Avengers. It's the Avengers. Well, not the, because, well, you know. But Steed and Mrs. Peel are Avengers. The next one, question number five. The King. Okay, great. Uh, four letters and five letters. Well, the King, in my mind, would be either Elvis Presley, which this is not that, or King Kong, which this is not that. Um, oh boy. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I know this one, actually. Four letters and five letters is Jack Kirby, the king. Yes! Okay. I'm two in a row. Question number six. Metal Godzilla. I think that's Mecha Godzilla. I'm going with Mecha Godzilla. Okay. Question number seven. It just says Creed. And it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's ten letters well it's definitely not apollo creed oh man i don't know great i don't know this one either Play more. Oh, what was that? Oh, oh my god ah, 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 i'm being grabbed by the disgusting arms of mr fantastic i gotta go ah, adam i'll see you next time save me Keep your back to Bye. Oh, Michael. Now, as we close out here, we want to thank you for listening to this Wizards Half episode. And just know, guys, we got a whole bunch more excitement to come. Of course, we have the most recent episode of The Wizard Files with Rick Marshall, who gave us some great, great stories about the Wizard website and some of the other goings-on behind the scenes. So be sure to check that out if you missed it. Also, don't forget that you can always get some wizard merchandise at our t public store just search wizards the podcast guide to comics and you know that we will have all the wizards merchandise that you could want there whether it's a t-shirt a phone case just a sticker you know throw it up wherever you want it and don't forget also that coming up next time around we have instead of episode 18 a special episode where we are covering the death of superman tribute special by wizard and our special guest on that episode is mickey from the retro network and he has a whole lot to say it's a very very fun discussion and hey you might learn a few things you didn't know especially about wizards involvement in the whole event so until next time keep your books bagged and boarded This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.